Hello and welcome to the Youth Work State of Mind podcast. It's the podcast that hopes to encourage and equip anyone who works with young people in a ministry context. As ever, uh, I am joined by Ben Green. I'm David Harris, of course. Got to introduce myself. That's really important for podcasts. Um, and uh, Ben Green's with us, the Diocesan Youth Advisor for Blackburn Diocese. Ben, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Are you good? Yes, I'm doing. I'm doing well, thank you. We've just had a lot, uh, like a week off for um, half term. How was your half term? All right. It was lovely. Yeah, it's full of full of cousins of different varieties. So, yeah, full of cousins. Yeah, yeah. My cousins, Hannah's cousins, and my nieces and nephews. Yeah, been fab. Full of people. Excellent. It's good. Good. I went to the Trafford Centre with. She's also um, full of people. Which is. <laughs> Probably full of other people's cousins as well. Probably. Um, but unknown. Uh, and uh, I went with Hannah, my wife, and uh, we went to this. We were feeling a bit hungry. And we wanted something kind of sweet to eat. And we found this like bakery place on the top, on the top floor. And we had this amazing, it's like a cookie. They called it a cookie pie. It was like a layer of cookie. And then it had like Nutella and Kinder bueno things in the middle and then a bottom layer of cookie and it was like cut like a pie and this thing was amazing it was just incredible was it was it it finch bakery uh i don't know Ah, i don't know i can't remember the name i've just given them i have no idea they are but lancashire bakeries mate they're the way forward but yeah cool there we go that's fun brilliant So that was my weekend. Um, over the next hour, we're going to be discussing today's question, which is how do we start youth ministry from scratch? Uh, if you're watching us live on YouTube, welcome along. Um, please feel free to get involved with the discussion by writing in the comments any questions you'd like to ask our guests today about uh, our topic. And if you're listening to the audio version of this podcast and want to join in with future live streams, make sure you follow us on Instagram at YouthWorkStateOfMind to get notified of future podcasts so you can join in with us. All the information will also be in the show's description with whichever podcasting app you are using. Uh, But before we get to our topic today, we need to introduce the people who we're going to be tackling this question with. Um, so first up, we have Martin. Hello, Martin. Hello. Hello. Good to see you there. Um, please, could you just give us a little bit, a little information about yourself, kind of who you are, what you do, uh, and if you could please tell us your favourite useless fact. Oh gosh. I mean, so first of all, I because this is obviously the first thing to say. Uh, I collect useless facts, so I find useless facts really interesting. And of course, you've asked, you've given me warning that I need to come up with this, and this has given me like sleepless nights trying to come up with the best useless fact that I know. So we'll get to that. Uh, my name is Martin Saunders. I work for an organisation called Youthscape. Um, you can see the logo behind me, but probably not the right way around. Um, but I'm, so I'm here in the Youthscape offices. We are a national youth ministry organisation. I'm also the youth worker in my local church in Rygate in Surrey. And I have four children of my own with my wife, Joe, and three of them are now teenagers, which is absolutely terrifying. Show me up as a fool and a charlatan. Uh, my favourite useless fact 
Well, let me, if you know this, then I want you to tell me and then I'll come on to a better one. So do you know what Buzz Aldrin's mother's maiden name was? Uh, right, so no. Genuinely, Buzz Aldrin's mother's maiden name was Moon. Isn't that incredible? No. That's fab. Isn't that mind-blowing? What wonderful useless fact. I love that. That <laughs> might become one of my favourites. You've collected them well. I have to say, really good. Go out, that sit back and go, yeah, that was good. That landed well. That was yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. That's a great fact. Buzz set. It's high. Um, cool. Thank you, Martin. Um, our second guest is Emma. Um, and the same for you, please. Uh, please could you just give us a little bit, a little bit of information about yourself and then your favorite useless fact? Hi. So yeah. Um I am like, I feel like I'm unlike Martin and that I have not collected any facts. But anyway, we'll get on to that as well. But yeah, so um, uh, as you said, my name's Emma and I live in Manchester. I've been um, a youth pastor for many years, but now I work for Elim. So I work with Limitless, which is their youth uh, arm. And I am a Pioneers developer, which is basically starting youth ministries across the UK in different places, working with churches who want to start a youth work and working with them for six months to a year and hopefully building a successful youth ministry that they can then continue. So that's what I'm working at at the minute. Um, don't have kids, have an awesome cat. Yeah. And also DJ. So I love music. and Also uh, DJ as well. So my useless fact, I just want to start, though, by saying, is there any fact that's useless? I feel like all facts are just great. I mean, is there, I mean, even that moon one, that's just, you know, there's some, surely there's some use in that somewhere. Basically, probably a preach or something, Martin, you'll put it in. So, you know, useful. Uh, but my one, again, I was like, I don't know. I have no, no facts stored in my brain, but also then had to go searching. So looked on Instagram for some good ones. The one I like the most, I don't know if you guys know this, but it's about the Matrix, the film. And you know the green stuff that falls behind the Matrix, you know, the ones and zeros on all that binary code. Apparently, it's actually sushi recipes. <laughs> what? what? That's fab. Oh, so the wow. guy making it, he turns the sushi recipes in his... In his uh, wife's kitchen into binary code and that's binary actually code. what's falling behind the matrix that's amazing brilliant that's that's like when people get chinese chinese kind of tattoos aren't they yeah <laughs> and then they've got like what does it actually like say barbecue pork bun up there are yeah <laughs> We've reached a part of the show where um, we have one of our kind of cool little fun features that we like to do. And this time we are introducing a new feature. Woo! Um, we are introducing a new feature called If Youth Work Was, um, where we attempt to sum up youth work if it were something else. Um, so for this episode, we're going to be asking our guests if youth work was a plate of biscuits, what would that look like? What kind of biscuits are on the plate? Um, maybe the plate looks like something. I don't know. Uh, if you're watching along with us live, feel free to just to suggest yours in the comments as well. Um, let's start with Emma. 
What a question, guys. Yeastburg is a plate of biscuits. I mean, it has to be, doesn't it? Either a plate of biscuits or a pizza. I feel like that might be another one. But anyway, because you have to have biscuits as part of uh, Yeastburg, don't you? I feel like it would have to be multiple things. I don't know about you, Martin, but just like I feel like youth work is many things. So that has to be represented in many different kinds of biscuits and obviously your favourite one. I'm not sure what biscuit is my favourite, to be honest. But I like the one of the first things I thought of is cheesy, not cheesy biscuit, but is a jammy dodger because it needs to have a heart at the centre of it. Come on. What do you think about that one? Yeah. Is that a good? Straight that, in, no. straight in there. Straight in. Love it. <laughs> I feel like you also needed a pink wafer. I don't know if you'd agree with that, but I felt like you needed something random and fun. There's always something crazy happening or crazy young people in the mix. So for me, I feel like pink wafer uh, had to be there as well. Um, yeah, a big old mix of them. And also, I feel like uh, Hobnob, the Peter K joke came into my head. So I don't know if you guys know that, but <laughs> dunk me, dunk me again. Like, I feel like in the youth work, you need some resilience there. You need to be able to be dunked, dunk again, sure baptism, but also, you know, just the resilience of youth work. Um, yeah, I feel like you need a good mix of biscuits there. And I don't know if this is allowed, but I also added in the after eight. Because even though it's not quite a biscuit, you always need the after eight game. You know, the one where you put it at the top of your head and try and eat it. So I felt like that needed to be in the mix as well. But Indeed. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm sure there's others. Mate, they're, they're fab. Um, mine are maybe a little bit more pedestrian, actually. But I had digestive biscuits. Are those, you know, those faithful leaders that are always there? They're every every week without fail. They're there. Um, they're there before everything else, <laughs> and they're also there at the end, clearing up because um, no one ever touches the digestives if it's because other stuff on the plate. They then I went for like the custard cream bourbon kind of world and said you just generally have those yo lovely young people who just are just amazing and they faithfully show up to stuff. They keep they're there. Um, in some ways, they you sort of think, you know, you'd they, if they weren't there, you'd really miss them. Basically, um, was where I kind of went. But I, yeah, there we go. You know, Marks and Spencers. My allowed to say Marks and Spencers on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. You know, they do these chocolate rounds, and the ad line is more chocolate than biscuit. You heard that? Yeah. 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 Nope. So I feel like um, so it's a very sorry point. Um, okay. And I feel like this. This is a great metaphor for youth ministry at times, you know, all sweetness, no crunch. I think that's the danger with youth work. But youth work isn't about giving kids Marks and Spencer's chocolate rounds. It's about helping young people to bake their own biscuits. It's what it's all about. So it's homemade biscuits, a plate of homemade biscuits where the young people go away, they learn how to do it, they get face to face with the oven, and then they, uh, they create the biscuits themselves. There we go. Did you hear any of that? I don't know. Just we got all of that. Oh, good. Thank you. Got all of it then, though. Wow. Okay. I feel. I feel uh, like that. I feel like that. That just. Yeah. That ended that conversation. Really. <laughs> <laughs> that was such an analogy in itself. I got lost in that analogy at some point. Okay. So it was like youth, young people are supposed to be baking themselves. Oh, this is like it sounds dangerous. 
but yeah, <laughs> that's good. It was fantastic. An excellent, an excellent ending to that section. I think it's cool. I think people will say this is cool based on that. <laughs> uh oh. It's time now for our discussion. Um, and today we're going to be tackling the question, how do we start youth ministry from scratch? Many of us at one time will have had to start youth work from scratch or are looking at maybe starting something new in the future, um, post kind of crazy, uh, the, the crazy like two years we've just had. Um, what foundations do we need to start something new? How do you set vision? These are some of the things that are good to know when you're starting a new ministry, not just youth work, but any new ministry. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you'll be a little bit closer to the answers you need for your context. We won't go too much, we won't go into great depth about recruiting and developing a team today. Um, but if you want to know more about that, then check out last uh, time's episode, episode nine from two weeks ago. Um, either on YouTube or whichever the podcasting app you use, because we delved into how to uh, recruit a volunteer team in that one at, at length for the whole episode, pretty much. So there we go. If you want that, that's the podcast. Uh, that's the episode for you. Um, but you can listen to this one as well. How do we start youth ministry from scratch? So let's start off with our first question. Um, and I'll go to Emma for this to start off with. Um, what are the foundations and practical things that you would say need to be in place for any youth ministry? Mm, it's such a good question. And it's just exciting, isn't it? Like the start, if you're thinking about doing a youth ministry, just want to say, yay, well done. Um, that there's just such a need, isn't there? I'm sure we all agree, as you say, about the whole you know, coming back, we see a lot of youth ministries needing to start up again or start, um, you know, from kind of from scratch again. Um, or just if you're looking in your area and just you see that need that young people need to get uh, reconnected in. It is so good. That, uh, and I've just been so privileged over the last couple of years to be able to to do that. And um, been working in Bradford and Blackpool and now at the minute working in Macclesfield. Just started one a month ago and it's going just going so well um and so to uh, I guess there's lots of things that could be foundational and sort of the practical stuff but something that I always say is kind of four things um to help start sort of the big picture thinking um I always say that you've got to know know yourself and know your team so you've, sp you've sp spoken about a lot about team last week that actually to have a think about who's going to help serve this vision and to know your team is really important. I know a lot of the time you don't have loads of team and all that kind of stuff. And when you're starting, that might not be your first port, but actually it's so important to get people on the side early on and then think, right, who have we got? Let's not just do like cookie cut. Hey, cookie, is that a biscuit? Anyway, uh, not to do like cookie cutouts and just go, oh, this is what youth work has to look like. We're going down here. It has to have X, Y, Z. Well, no, it's like, what's your passions? What's your team's skills? What their time, you know, what, what's their experience? And sort of dream together. Let's start as a team to dream and think about things together. Um, yeah, and just really 
because I feel like as a as a lead youth worker actually a lot of our sort of role is actually to help empower and help my team first and foremost so how am I doing that so I say that know your team then I'd say know the young people in your area in your church if you've got a few like work with them at your church start with what God has given you you know that's so important but also just get to know it see what's going on what's already around what where are they hanging out what what do they love are they young people who love football or you know music or what what what's making them tick what and also what problems do they have because we're here to connect and serve we're not just here just to do a youth work we're here to serve those young people your heart is for them and so to really get to know them um and then i'd say um i call this know the land so that's the bigger picture so what so know your church what is your church passions what what would your um lead church leader think is it success because that might not be what you think is a success a success but also just what's already happening is your is what's the schools in the area what are they doing is there a youth work down the road that actually you could join in with rather than start your own or you know could you go and serve somewhere else um again that kind of what is what is the need in the in the bigger sort of picture and then know god's voice is something else as well uh, is ultimately the most important thing really is to come back you know just time and again pray what's god saying uh, have you already had any prophetic words or any insight over this um come back to that but also just obviously ask for that um and then therefore you know it's whatever god is saying that's that's what we need to be obedient in isn't it and that that really is the is the higher voice that we we're obviously listening to so those sort of four things i always say is really important just know yourself know your team know the young people know the land and know god's voice and sort of therefore those things together will then really influence the way forward and what it looks like because i say youth work doesn't need to look like the same every time but that kind of gives you a broad basis to sort of build something on that's where at least I'd start. I hope that's, I hope that's helpful there. That's brilliant. What do you, what would you say, Martin? Um, I think everyone should just go back and listen to what Emma just said, because that was awesome. You should write that down. Um, so I, I don't want to um, repeat anything that she's just said, because I think it's brilliant. A couple of things that I would just throw in. Um, right at the start, you need to know what you're aiming to do. So you, you have to have some aims in place. And I think if you, one of the things I really believe in in youth ministry is evaluation, uh, which obviously comes much later on, but you can't evaluate a project or, or anything unless you actually set clear aims in the first place. Because otherwise what happens is your evaluation turns out really well. You get like, do you know what? We did brilliantly. I can imagine what we were trying to do. Turns out this is pretty much what happened. Um, and so you end up with giving yourself full marks, um, which isn't doesn't help anybody. You, if you're going to evaluate well, you need to set really clear aims, and that will drive much of what you do. Um, so we might we might get on to talk about vision a bit more uh, in a moment. The other thing that I would throw in, and this might be a bit controversial, um, is um, youth ministry can only thrive in a context where the ultimate leader of that context is on board and supportive. Now, I think the good news there is that the vast majority are, and even in places where 
say vicars in the Church of England, pastors, ministers, and other denominations don't appear to be supportive. It's because they just haven't got a vision for it yet. They can't see quite how youth ministry would work in that context. It's not that they're just like they're like crotchety old people who hate the young. It's not that. In most cases. Um, what we found at Youthscape, we've been running a, a project over the last few years, um, which is about to get much larger called Launchpad, um, just within the Church of England at the moment, um, which works with the leader. So it works with the vicar. So it's quite counterintuitive. A lot of like ministry projects over the years have started with the youth pastor. We've actually gone upstream um, to the vicar because we found that if you get the vicar on board, um, then actually that unlocks a whole lot of resource and time and energy and vision and everything else. And then, then the rest of it emerges. So the flip side to that is if you are in a context where you are trying to start youth ministry because you have a vision for it and God has spoken to you about it, and the leader is not in any way supportive of youth ministry as a concept, I think you are too precious to waste and you should go somewhere else. Oh, yeah, I love, as I say, I, I love that, what you said about the, you know, the leader. That's, it is really wise. It, and that's definitely what that I find as, we, as I go around talking to churches and, and it, trying to work with churches. As you say, it ultimately comes down to that, that church leader, whether they get it or not, and what their vision is. Because your idea as a youth worker or, you know, volunteer youth worker or whatever might be this, but if it's not the same as theirs, you know, you're on different pages and that can be quite hard because I, I always say to, um, you know, potential youth workers, it doesn't need to look like a drop in. It doesn't need to look like 20 to 30 young people coming to your youth work. If it does, great, but it doesn't have to. What if it looks like mentoring? What if it looks like just three young people that you meet with regularly? Is that youth work? And yes, it is, in my opinion. But it might not be youth work in the church leader's opinion. And therefore, you've got a problem there. And so um, it's, yeah, it's, as you say, it's like determining what is success? Um, is it um, what does thriving youth work really look like? And to have those conversations with your church leader is so important. So, yeah, that's really great. Yeah. And, and I think throwing in that is if I think one of the biggest questions you can ask as a leader, as a youth leader, is what is the church's vision? It's actually whatever you're doing with young people is going to align somewhere with the vision of the church. So if that's a church that hasn't set down on paper what its aims, what its vision, what its goals are and where it's heading, then actually your youth ministry will take on that sort of almost sort of probably looks quite generic, a bit cookie cutter because it ends up sort of just swimming around doing whatever it feels like it might need to do because it's not got a clear direction for the church. And I think that's, one thing we've definitely seen is we, as vicars set out and from a Church of England perspective, they say, yes, we're in, this is amazing, this is the vision for youth ministry. We're like, what's the vision for the church? Because if it doesn't align, if the two don't align, it's not going to, we're going to end up with this issue that is, it, it doesn't fit where where it is. Um, so, yeah, and I think one of, the, one of the things I'd throw in the mix is like one thing that, and Emma touched on it, was that sometimes we don't have loads of leaders. And I think some something's like, what is the capacity of the people that you've got on board? So therefore, in terms of shaping what it looks like, to start something that you can regularly run that's really good, that meets the needs of young people once a month, may not be the ideal, but it's a starting point. And so you can always 
build that in and go, okay, we've now, we, our young people are asking for this more. We're excited about this as youth leaders. Let's make it fortnightly. Let's build like a regularity um, rather than necessarily from starting out and going, we're going to, we, we, the six of us, we've got to do this once a week. And we just sort of hit two months in and burn out. Actually, we've got to, what's the pace of life and, and who's, where's the capacity at? So I think that kind of sits quite key things really. Pretty good. We've touched on Envision a bit, and I feel like there's there's something to unpack there. So, how would we, how would you go about shaping, setting, or casting vision and culture in something new? I think we'll go to Martin on this. So I think you mentioned it first. Yep. Vision. Yeah. Um, it's a very popular word in Christian leadership circles, isn't it? Everyone wants to be a visionary. That's it, like that's the absolute like highest level you can hit in Christian leadership. Is if someone refers to you as the visionary oh no i think martin's cut out oh, oh I can't, okay. he's, back. he's back he's back oh how much did you get to because i was mid-ramp then <laughs> i think your wi-fi just picks up when you're going to say something genius and then just drops out <laughs> at that moment i, I don't know about that um anyway i was i was saying like the top level that you can aspire to in christian leadership is like visionary like that's the that's the thing everyone wants to be. Um, I think vision starts with um, with listening. It's like really what Emma's just said. Like there's 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 time for action, and you know, I sound like Ecclesiastes. There's a time for action. But there's a time also for listening and and listening to God and seeing what's going on and listening to lots of different people, listening to the voices of young people, of people who might be in your team, of other people in your church. And so I think you don't you you need to remind yourself that just because you've got a bit of an urge to to do something, you don't have to launch straight away. You don't have to just go from like I must do youth ministry to the first thing I should do is just is just start. I understand that school of thought. I don't I don't subscribe to it. I think you're much better off actually taking time to ask God. You know what is what it what is the vision for this thing? What is it we're being called to do? So I, I sort of uh, said just then like um the gold standard in christian leadership is this idea of being a visionary the best visionary that i've ever worked with would hate to be described as that would never call themselves visionaries they're just people who quietly get on with the work that god's called them to do they they find a story and they begin to tell it they they their behavior and character is consistent and they they hold themselves in a confident way but actually the most important thing is they are clearly walking with God. And I think that the clearest way to set vision as, an, as, an, as a leader is just to take that small thing that you think God has given to you and then walk confidently with it with real integrity and character. And so I think the other thing that often comes with this is this idea of how do you set culture? So how do you, how do you cast a vision? How do you set culture? I, again, I, I think it's really, really hard to deliberately set culture i'm not even sure you can set culture i think culture emerges i think you you um uh you know if you have this kind of effort to to set culture it's a bit if you're familiar with andrew root's writing it's it's what he would call the kind of pursuit or the quest for authenticity um but actually you just get the culture you deserve so it, it comes back to the question of Who's leading in the room? Are those people kind? Do they care about people? Have they got something compelling they've been called to? Do they care about the thing that they're talking about? And if, if those things are in place, culture will set itself. 
I think you're right. But I do want to, I'd say maybe you can set culture in some ways as well, though. I think you're totally right in terms of culture is who you are, isn't it? So ultimately, it's integral to you. So if you're in that room, you are setting culture. Your team is your team. They need to know that, as you say, kindness and what you speak out. But I think also you can be intentional about setting culture. I think I used to be a teacher. I used to be a primary school teacher before all of this joy. And uh, at the start of the year, I used to just write myself like a paragraph of like, this is what I want to see in my classroom. This is the culture in my classroom. Yes, the school. But in my, when those kids come into my class, this is what it's going to look like. And then I would try, you know, and be intentional about that. And I think as, as a team, you can also do that. I think, um, yes, it's definitely integral, but also to come together and to say, this is what I want to see um, as part of what we do. And actually, you touched on it there. I think you said something like, um, tell the story, like have the story and then tell it. And I think there's something really powerful about telling, about putting words and speaking it out. Um, so to speak out which the vision that you want to see to because some people are great at seeing that vision I, I'm somebody who just picture you tell me something and I've seen it so careful what you tell me because I have a visual mind but uh, some people are really great aren't they just seeing that vision I can see this room is full of kids or whatever other people are like I don't I can't see that and so to be able to put words to it but also that there's something really powerful about like speaking out what you what you want to see as well I think words have power and so to put words to it is is, is helpful as well so yeah a bit of both. I, I sort of agree with that um but I also think like you know you know what doesn't work uh lists of rules telling young people these are, this is how we however you dress it up if you call it like this is how we do things around here you know if you call it that rather than you know a list of rules kids do not care they, they will not listen. They will not. They'll actually, if they find a boundary, you're like, okay, you're going to set me a boundary. I'm going to actually push against that. What they care about is the authenticity of people's lives. So, so I agree with you in terms of the speaking out, but I think where that really works is in your leadership team. I think it's as a, if you're living with some, living with a vision and with, you know, if you're carrying a story, um, gosh, it's a very Pentecostal words. I don't know where these are coming from. If you're carrying something, then, um, then the, the, the way that works itself into culture is by you sharing that with your, your leadership team and then inviting them to hold it and walk with it well. I think the moment you start telling kids what how we do things around here, they go, no, we don't. We'll do it differently and they'll push against it. Yeah, yeah definitely. Culture is often caught rather than taught, isn't it? So it's, so it's well, it is. So therefore, actually, that... Um, yeah, as leaders, you you seek to set a culture and you therefore live that out and the young people are the ones that pick up on it. And that's where you see youth, youth ministry really kind of, um, kind of, I guess, really kind of catch young people is where they go, I come here because, it's those phrases you hear, I come here because I belong. I felt like I walked in the door and I was, I, I, like I could own this or the people loved me and they cared for me. And I think that's what we're talking about, isn't it? It's going, how do we do that? Um and I think there is there is something like you know I, I guess reality is we we work with a, we we kind of work with loads of leaders um, that say actually well like, my vision quite often is just setting up a group 
And I think that that is the, the sometimes the struggle is just having a group isn't a vision. Actually, what's the intentionality? Where's where are we heading after? How do what? So where 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 are we kind of heading as a team, as a as a leadership group that says, actually, what do we want to see in the long run? Like, I guess I get like for me regularly, people say to me like, what's your vision for youth ministry? And I'm sat there and I go, well, my vision is that young people leave here and they're so deep rooted in faith that we're excited about where they go. I'm kind of nicking it off Alan Scott of Causeway Coast, previous fame and oh now over in over in America, but. Like actually, he, he was a it was a conference once, and he said, he said like we so often fear young people going off to university or into the world of work that their faith might survive it. And I think when it, if what we're aiming for is actually that young people have a root, roots of faith that actually they go, we're excited about what God's going to use them for when they show up where they go next. And I think that, and I know that won't be necessarily the case for every young person, but if that's what we're aiming for, quite often we'll have those stepping stone sort of actions, if you like. Those, those aims and things that kind of slowly but surely get us there that allow us to set the culture of aiming after that, even if we're starting off with initially what looks like a lot of young people we met in a park um, and how that then shapes, but how are we deliberate about that and how are we intentional about actually, how do we tell our story? How do we tell the story that we see? Um, and, and how do we allow them to tell their story and encounter God in the midst of that? And I think there's some something in in that that, and it's hard, isn't it? Because when when we're shaping it, you're absolutely right. It's that authenticity. It's who we are. If we're not engaging with who God has called us to be, meeting Him in our everyday, waking up every morning and going, "All right, God, it's you and me. What do we, what does today look like?" Then actually, that that changes the the trajectory of that group because actually we're just turning up and trying to do it in our own strength. But we've already said a number of times, like we need to be listening to God, put actually saying. Where's God in the midst of this? What's He calling us to do? And and I think that's is vital. Um, we I did hear it, it's interesting you talk about speaking out. It's interesting we've come across a couple of leaders along the way while we've been running our our learning community that have said, oh, "I've got this great vision," and you go, "That's great." Who have you told? <laughs> and they're like, "Well, the three of us here," and you're sat there going, "That's not the people that need to know this. Like your church need to know that this is where you're where you're going and what God's called you to do with this age group." And they'll get round that. When you share vision, it excites people, and it's um, and that's really fun. Yeah. Youth work looks very different in in different places, um, and we've we've already kind of touched on on context. Um, how does how does someone's context shape what they start to do? Are all of these kind of this kind of basic principles that cover across a variety of contexts or are there some kind of things you have to do differently depending on where you are who you have so i'll, I'll dive in i think one of the things about context is and i given that i work and cover lancashire <laughs> we have got old mill towns we've got coastal towns we've got um, rural communities um, and everything in between so we have a couple of cities but they're not massive massive cities but um I guess the, the key is kind of, and, and we've said before, and this has been said a number of times, is listening to what the need is, hearing where young people are at, um, what it looks like for those that rural community that quite literally require, like there's a bus every like two days coming through there, or there's a bus for it every, a bus to school every morning, a bus home, and that's it. If you're reliant on parents, that shapes how 
your youth ministry is going to look it's going to look it's going to there's going to involve a conversation there that says what does this look like and it might pick up on what the surrounding is but in the same way actually what you do you know if you're in an inner city church where you've got a graveyard and there's young people hanging out around that graveyard <laughs> actually you're you're you might look more detached might look more detached youth ministry let's go out and meet those young people have a conversation with them and i think it does it absolutely shapes where they are who um, kind of the young people you've got around you and um, but equally i think geographically it impacts how you how you do that and 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 therefore you've got to take that so i guess when when we talked about that foundations when emma's asking those questions they become really key to saying like actually sort of know the young people what are they facing sort of and what are they up to because blackpool's a very different context to to macclesfield though it may not feel it at times but yeah yeah no it is yeah i totally agree with that i wrote uh, in prep to this just the word everything and let's move on uh that's not a very good discussion though is it uh so yeah i totally agree though that you know context is basically it is everything in because as you said like ben like we're there to serve mm. we're there to connect with those young people that you have got uh in your area whatever that looks like with what capacity god has given you with what passion god has given you and so yeah to find what what tick what you know what works in your context is is so key um and so therefore i feel like there's real permission there to to people listening like just permission to dream permission you know god has given you those gifts and those skills for a reason um and that time in your life you know permission to get to to see what god has got for your context is quite an exciting maybe perhaps overwhelming but also quite an exciting thing to think you know we know that god is a god who wants to connect with us as individuals and he, who loves us and so he wants you to show that to the young people in your area like what does that mean that you know the god of the universe wants to connect with them in their in their moment and so yeah sort of to dream and to think what how what does god want to do with you where you are so i think that's quite exciting i, I thought it was probably worth um because i agree with everything that's been said and i'm not sure there's anything to add to it specifically so i i thought it might be helpful to, to illustrate a little bit with a with a story um so i took over the youth work at my church getting on for five years ago um and it classic kind of story i took it on for six months to to cover for the outgoing youth pastor and here i am still and i observed a couple of things going on um when i took it over one, one thing was um transitions were a massive issue so we were we were losing kids out of children's ministry and then somewhere in the middle of the teenage years. So we were strong up to about age 13 and then kids were really dropping off at that point. Um, and the other thing that I noticed was a sense of stress and overwhelm in our community. So it's a very kind of middle-class community uh, in Surrey um, and I make no apologies for it. It's just where I've been called to minister. Um, I've spent 10 years apologizing for it. And, um, Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, thanks, Emma. Can it's help come it. up. It's come <laughs> up. It's come up a few times in my previous encounters with you. Um, but um one of the things that's the very real there, apart from the massive parental pressure, is the enormity of the local schools. So it's not unusual to have a school with sort of nearly three thousand students. So you're in a year of three, four hundred 
young people. So they're massive schools. Um, and so the kids just felt completely overwhelmed and a bit lost. And some of them finding it really difficult to find their place in the world. And you've got that sort of upper middle class problem of um, uh, young people who have wealthy homes but never see their parents. So they've got they've got a family unit, but who knows what's really going on behind those those closed doors? It appears to be brilliant. It's often not. So taking all of that into consideration as the context, we basically we did two things. The first thing is we put all our youth groups on the same night, and we made them they gave them the same name, and we made them look the same, and they started at year five. So I previously had never dared go under eleven, but we set up a year five and six youth groups so that when you got to year seven. You weren't suddenly going from a children's group, which is basically glorified babysitting, or to, uh, sorry, in that context, just then that point, uh, into, um, you know, suddenly, oh, you're expected to behave as an autonomous semi-adult, you know, and contribute in different ways to, to informal education. Um, and then we also um, introduced another thing, which was a meal time. So we introduced a meal time between our year seven and eight group and our year nine to 13 uh, group. And we invited everybody from year seven to 13 to meet there. And so suddenly everything was, you know, the whole thing was orbiting around this kind of shared experience, coming together, being in the same place. And this, what naturally emerged was a sense of family. And that was what those young people in that particular context needed. Now, if I was in a different place, I wouldn't set up youth ministry like that. So it's really important to say context specific is the key here. And that was what worked for us. It might not be what works for you. I think you've struck on something there, though. I think meal times are something that works so well in youth ministry, though. It's something that we like. I can't. You can't escape it. Like you say, it might. It may not work other places. Sometimes it looks very different depending on where you are. But it's amazing when you put young people around a table together. Actually, conversations happen that you never expected. And I think sometimes we, like, I think we possibly have this. And this kind of goes through all of it. Like I think we sometimes think it's got to be big. It's got to look amazing. It's got to be flashy. It's got to be, and there's a place for that. And don't hear me wrong, but actually that small, small is beautiful kind of approach says actually with these, this handful of young people, like God's going to do something really deliberate with and really special with. And so, and I think that's, that's a massive, a massive encouragement that, that actually when you think you've got three or four young people, don't be scared to dive in and do something that maybe you think seems really ordinary, but actually will meet meet their need and meet them in a way that they're not necessarily expecting. Um, I think this, this always drives me meal times. It's always the cars, isn't it? It's late night late nights on residentials and in cars. That's often where you find the best conversations happen because no one's looking eye to eye. And meal times, and they're the three spaces that you find, and it's often that that's where people let their guard down. Um, and and seem to feel like that now's the time to open up. So, I'll, yeah, big big fan of meal times. Mainly because I love food, but yeah, it's it's all good. And plate of biscuits existed right at the beginning of this. Awesome. Um, so <clears throat> you th you're thinking about um, how to set things up. We're thinking about culture and setting vision. Um, mindful of your context, and you've. Kind of gone through all of those steps what is the next step um in setting up your group or your ministry what do, what where should you go next um as you're setting things up let's go 
Martin. Oh, thought you were you were forming an E. I was, and then yeah. I wow, that is the kind of crazy maverick thing that happens on this podcast. <laughs> I love it. Um, so the most important thing to remember. This is my sort of Springer's final thought, if you like. You're old enough to remember what that is. Um, whatever you do in youth ministry, your your end goal is not to create a youth group. That's not your goal. Your goal is not to grow big. Um, and that's personally, that's always been the big pitfall that's that slipped me up as well. This idea of like, we just what are the numbers this week? Let's get bigger. That's not the goal of youth work. The goal is not to get kids into church. That is not the goal of youth work. Your primary role as a youth leader is to introduce young people to the person and the presence of God and then get out of the way. That is your primary role. So, so I would say try to create context frameworks for faith formation. I think that's your goal. I, I think I would advocate for help for doing anything you can that helps young people to experience God's presence. So often that's about times of worship and spiritual practice, and then also equip them with the tools that allow them to connect with God day after day in their own life, in their own time. If you do that, then you will have been successful in youth ministry. And so I have a huge amount of, of, of time for thinking about spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines. I think those are um, incredibly important. I think worship is transformative for young people in all sorts of ways. I think we need to get over ourselves with some of the intellectual critique of worship times. Do you know what? There's, there's so much good about charismatic worship. I used to be such a snob about it. I think it gets you in the presence of God. It disarms you. It gets you all facing in the same direction. It gets you focused on God. What's not to like? So, um, so I just think that's the thing. You'll just remember, all, whatever you do, your goal is not to create a youth group, to get it big, to get young people into church. It's to introduce them to God and then get out of the way. Mm. Love that. Brilliant. Emma? <laughs> yeah, I mean, how'd you follow that? Yeah, no, it's, it was really, it is really good because I'd say the same in the, in the fact of, yeah, the reason that you're doing it, um, that you're starting it isn't, as you say, to, to make a great youth group uh, to make a great, you know, to a big youth group, I should say. It's, it is about those disciples that make disciples. How do we do that? How are we making a youth ministry that creates that? And so it's kind of that thing, isn't it? Start with the end in mind. How, if, if that is the end, you know, how do we start it? What are those next steps? And so to have those next steps in mind rather than, I'm just going to start a youth group and they're all going to come and it's not, and now you've got it. And they're like, now what? It's actually, what does it look like? So it's not just this perpetuation. We're going to meet every week and just have fun and play table tennis or whatever it is. It's what are those next steps that you want to see? And as Martin says, it might not be that they come to church. That might be, you know, one of your end goals, but actually it might look different in your context. Again, it's like, what does being a Christian for these young people that you have got, what does that look like? How can you help them meet Jesus and, you know, follow him in their everyday life? How can you put those next steps in um, for that? Um, and again, it's coming back to the encouraged team. For me, it's all about the team, about, you know, come back and celebrate them. I'll check in with them. How is your own faith doing? How is their faith doing on, on this journey? Rather than just running at this thing continuously, how do we, you know, 
keep going with God in our own in our own ways in our team. Um, but yeah, it's put that sort of next steps. What is it? What would you love to see happen, and how you break it down into into next steps for yourself? Anything to add, Ben? I think keep listening. Keep listening because young people change. Like God doesn't change, but young people change and their needs change. And and particularly as they grow older, is asking that question of, is what we're doing actually meeting their need? Is it the best for them? It might still be something they love and come to, but it's, it's kind of going, actually, does this, is this actually supporting them? Is Does starting around a meal, that absolutely is the right space? Is it still going to be the space, the right right framework in the future? And how does that work? And does it need to look different? Um, I think the other thing is is that, and maybe I'm just always just very aware of the the, the sometimes the the smallness of our teams, the lack of size of the team is just consistently be just praying for who else to invite onto that journey and be part of that journey with young people. So like, who are you, who else are you raising up as another leader? Which young people are you raising up as leaders? Who are you seeing the sort of discerning the calling for um, in that? And therefore. What you hope the hope is is that the sort of the legacy of what you start is something that kind of actually is young people rising up as leaders that take that on, however long that is. That actually the longevity is the fact you could walk away and step away and as Martin says quite eloquently and just get out of the way, <laughs> but actually and just let God do it. And what is God kind of what is God asking you to set in motion that hopefully is sustainable and 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 leads to young people meeting Him. So. I guess the only thing to add as well is off of the back of what you just said there, Ben, is I guess the next step is to be obedient, whatever that looks like. But as you say, as you listen to God, it's just like, if he's asked you to do it, then I guess we have to be obedient and trust him. It might look like building the ark and you're like, what am I doing, Lord? Or it might look be really obvious and it's the obvious next step. But yeah, I guess be obedient and trust him and see what he can do through you. Brilliant. Have you? Do you have any like any helpful resources or maybe kind of events or kind of talks from people or maybe you have some resources of your own that would be helpful for people to look at um, in in this? Well, far be it for me to promote my own work, but uh, I did write a book called Youth Work from Scratch. So I mean, it's pretty dead on the title of the um the podcast so uh you can still get it on amazon and other all good bookstores at the youthscape sorry the youthscape website <laughs> <laughs> uh it's more expensive there uh and that is a sort of a like a handbook to setting up youth work in a church context um or yeah yeah a church context um and uh i think it's quite good people tell me it's quite good yeah i'd also say i've i've read it it's very good. Uh, I've also read um, a book, I have to put it in, come on, by Tim Olford, because it's called Leadership 101. He's the guy that runs uh, Limitless, and it has everything that we've basically just spoken about, vision, culture, um, team leadership, how to, how to set stuff up. So that's been uh, really good. And Limitless has also got um, places for youth workers to, to get um, connected to each other. Um, we've got um, an away a uh, couple of days in January, so that anyone is welcome to come to that to check that out on the Elim website. But yeah, make sure that you are supported as well. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. Um, I think what one resource that I'd throw in that possibly I think aims to do what we've talked about with young people is Rooted, um, which is a Scripture Union resource. Um, it isn't a program, but it aims to seek to give you kind of a framework for how you build, how you uh, do what we said, build a relationship with young people um, and and create the space for them to encounter God. And I think that's so that's that's worth looking at. That's Scripture Union um, Rooted. Um, if you're if you're a church leader in Blackburn Diocese or even slightly further afield um, and you want to talk a bit more about how you might do this, get in touch with us. You might want to jump in part of our learning community um, just to explore what this might look like um, and to help you with that journey. So you can join alongside sort of other people that are doing a similar journey, looking and exploring the same stuff. Um, so, so hopefully that's beneficial to everyone that's in that room and engaged in it. So, Where can they contact uh jump in on that Ben they can email youth at blackburn.anglican.org well um, amazingly like we're to time um, it's like it's never happened before Ben I don't think no, um, never never happened <laughs> so um yeah, there we go. We're, that is all we have time for on the YouthWorks Day of Mind podcast. Uh, massive thank you to Martin and Emma for joining Ben and I on this episode. Really, really appreciate you jumping in um, uh, from your busy schedules to uh, uh, impart your wisdom. Um, so uh, thank you so much for that. Um, thank you to everyone who joined us on the live version on YouTube. If you'd like to join us next time, um, uh, whilst we're live and ask some questions, you can follow us on Instagram at YouthWorks State of Mind. You can be kept up to date with when the next episode will be going out. There's going to be an audio only version of this podcast episode going out on the 4th of November, uh, which will be available to hear wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, we'd love to hear about it. So please do. Um, leave a review or a rating if your podcast provider has that feature. I know Apple Podcast does. So if you're listening there, please do that. Um, it really helps us reach more people uh, with this amazing wisdom from our fantastic guests uh, and Ben, of course. <laughs> ben has the wisdom still. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to be taking a small break, um, but we will be back soon with some more episodes. We've got some in the pipeline. We just need to find some guests um don't we ben uh we do do we do yes um so yeah uh do follow us on instagram and uh, we'll keep you up to date with when the next episode is going to go li live um, but until then goodbye thank you for joining us thanks for listening to this episode of the youth work state of mind podcast was a Blackburn Diocese Board of Education production. It was produced by Ben Green and David Harris with music from Purple Planet. You can listen to more of their music at purple-planet.com. Special thanks to Martin Saunders and Emma Gaze for joining us on this episode. For more episodes of the podcast or for other youth work resources, visit our website bdeducation.org UK. And make sure you follow us on Instagram at YouthWorkStateOfMind to be kept up to date with resources, events 
and future episodes of the podcast.